0: All right, hello everyone. Uh, welcome back to another podcast episode of She's in Tech. We have a very special guest today. My name is Susan Ma. I am a software engineer here at This Dot, and you can contact me or find some content on Twitter. My handle is at Supremo.
1: Hi everyone. My name is Daisy Nolan. I am a front-end self-taught software engineer at a company called Publicist. You can follow me on Twitter at at Dacey underscore Nolan. Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm a bootcamp
2: grad and self-taught software engineer, currently working at an early stage mental health startup, and you can find me on Twitter at Catherine Code.
3: Did you work your tail off to get that senior developer gig just to realize that senior dev doesn't actually mean dream job? I've been there too. My first senior developer job was at a place where all of our triumphs were the bosses and all the failures were ours. The second one was a great place to continue to learn and grow, only for it to go under due to poor management. And now I get job offers from great places to work all the time. Not only that, but the last job interview I actually sat in was a discussion about how much my podcast had helped the people interviewing me. If you're looking for a way to get into your dream job, then join our Dev Heroes Accelerator, Not only will we help you get the kind of exposure that makes you attractive to your dream employer, but you'll be able to ask them for top dollar as well. Check it out at devheroesaccelerator.com.
0: Awesome. So thank you, Catherine, for being here. You have a very unique background slash projects that you're working on that we've seen people share on Twitter, but especially now in that knowing that you are a bootcamp grad, uh, could you tell us a little bit about maybe your background and your journey into tech?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I actually got my degree in industrial engineering and I graduated in 2018. And then a little less than a year later in April 2019, I did a boot camp. It was a six-month part-time boot camp through Full Stack Academy. So I kind of through that like learned how much I love to code. And then I actually the company that I was at doing industrial engineering work, they let me Transition into a software role within that same company. So that was really awesome. Um, I got to like get my start straight out of boot camp. And then about a year ago, I found my current job. I actually heard about the app they were making um, through a podcast, and I just sent them an email and like asked if I could help out just for experience. So I helped them out just in my free time for a while. uh, And then they ended up hiring me full time. So that's what I've been doing since then.
0: Well, that's awesome. In addition to, you know, a lot of the experience that you have, um, I did see that you had created a a ReadMe generator project of some sort. So I wanted to get sort of some details on like what made, what motivated you to create a project like that and how did it start taking off on its own now that it's something that's available for everyone?
2: Yeah. So that was actually originally just kind of like a fun little side project that I made for myself. A while back, I was making a readme for work and I kind of knew what to put on it, but I I ended up Googling a lot of example readmes to kind of see like what sections should it have? Like, what do you put? And so I wrote down on a list of ideas that I keep in notion, um, that idea like months back. And then I had one weekend last month that I... I had like two days free that I had taken off of work on Thursday and Friday. And I was like, I want to build something this weekend that I can build start to finish. So I looked through my ideas list and I saw that one and I was like, okay, I'm going to build this one. And then I built it in two days and then shared it on Twitter. And I didn't really ever expect anyone to use it. But a couple of weeks after that, GitHub ended up tweeting about it. And then a few other big people like Sarah Drasner tweeted about it. Um, so from there it kind of took off and I have like analytics on the page and it's had like 120,000 page views and stuff. So it's crazy. Like any given time I look at it, there's like 10 people using it. And I'm like, it's just, I never expected anything from that. I really just built it for myself and just for experience, like just another practice project.
1: I think that's super important, like for our listeners to hear that, um, one that you just created like an ocean or you have in like a note section for all these like ideas that you have. I'm a mentor uh, to several like junior devs. And when I tell them to really stand out and there are portfolio pieces like looking for jobs, they're like, well, I can't think of any ideas. And I tell them like, think of a real world example that you can solve with code. It doesn't have to make you money. It doesn't have to be this amazing startup idea, but find something that you think is lacking or better yet like find an app that you use every day that you think that you could make better or you want to add a specific feature to and so i love hearing that that you saw this need for this and you were like oh it's just for me like you know no one's going to use it i mean of course it's an amazing story that github like uh, tweeted about that and you have all these people visiting and, and using it so i mean that's an amazing story but i love hearing other success stories about like standing out and like I said, just like solving problems with code. Totally. I think I think the best projects come from being a need or a problem and fixing it or
2: just something you're passionate about. Cause I think a lot mm-hmm. of people they'll be like, I'm just gonna build a to do app, or like you'll kinda look up like, Oh, this is a good project. But I think if you care about it or you have a specific reason for making it, it's so much more motivating to actually finish it.
1: For sure. I made I'm I'm a big gamer. So I made uh like a game trick... Uh, game tracking app for a really common game called Munchkin. It's a dungeon crawler game. It's a lot to keep up with. And then while I was uh, learning to code, I was learning to play golf. So I made a call. It's called a digital caddy. It tells you which uh, club to use. So again, like do people care out there? No, I do have a few (laughs) users using both. However, like it was something that was passionate about me and I could explain why I coded it the way I did why I chose the colors I did and like why I got the idea and like that. Yeah. Being able to stand out that way. Like I said, like you said, coding something that you're passionate about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I would say this, this topic in general brings up a lot of great points where, for example, like your project, Catherine, like it fulfills a need that I didn't even know that I had. And especially as a junior dev, there's a lot of things that can be overlooked because it's so overwhelming, right? Like, and I think all of us, funny enough, we actually all come from non-technical backgrounds in a way where we either are self-taught or went through a boot camp of some sort, and there's just so much to learn in a short period of time. and sometimes focusing on the details, uh, it's easy to forget. So having a readme, for example, that pops out, something that really represents who you are and you know is able to articulate in a concise way like who you are and what you're about. I mean, I was like, yeah, I should put something together, right? But now your project fulfills that need where I'm like, it's taking out a lot of the guesswork that kind of prompted me to like, hesitate moving forward with it. But it's like, hey, now this is something I can kind of check off on my to-do list. And it's going to help me in a way that I feel like, oh man, I need to finish and do it, but now I can actually do it, right? And for a project like this, both of you guys have brought up really great points where make something that you're passionate about, right? Like you are your own best advocate. So if you're not excited for your project, it's hard to expect other people to be excited about it, right? So if you're creating something based on a need that you have or a need that you know, or have seen other people have, like, yeah, let's go ahead and do it, right? Because not only are you fulfilling a need, but you're doing something fun for yourself, right? You're fulfilling that curiosity for yourself, growing your own skills, and probably something that's equally as important as those, I feel like, is sharing that with the community, right? Which, in general, that comes with a lot, because there's a lot to unpack on that. Like, there's this state of vulnerability that you might have, being scared to share your work and get feedback from others. But, like, what a gain that you get. And I think in this specific case with yours, Catherine, like, what a gain that you are now seeing other people use this to fulfill their needs. And so it's, like, not only a community thing, but you know, organizations like GitHub have acknowledged that. So I hope that this is sort of a testimonial, especially for other people who are either starting out in tech or just haven't been able to venture to do their own projects. Like this may be one story, but this is definitely one of many where I feel like as a developer, you're just that much more fulfilled.
1: Yeah. And also I feel like your app is definitely a game changer too. I mean, like I said, I'm a mentor. And so when people come to me and they, they're trying to find their first tech job. And the first thing I say is like, okay, like, let me look at your resume and your projects. And nine times out of 10, they don't have a read me. And I feel like that is your chance to shine, to say like, why I built this project? What technologies did I focus on? Showing screenshots, showing how you want to improve. Also, big thing is, How do you run it locally? How can I like start it? Uh, Also, do you have it um, hosted anywhere? Is it live? Like I, did you run tests? Are your tests 100%? uh, Is your project 100% test coverage? Brag about yourself there. So that's something that I, again, like, listeners, you know, definitely like look into this project because this is something that I feel like having a great readme will also let you stand out and get, you know, be able to get more, get hired more quickly. That's a great point. Yeah. When I look at someone else's GitHub repo, that's
2: the main thing I look at really. Like if, if you go to a repo and it doesn't have anything, you don't even know where to start. Like you don't know what you can do with it. You don't know how to run it. You don't know where you can see the project. And it's, it's a pretty simple thing to add, but it's really important. So transitioning
0: sort of into other projects that you've worked on, Catherine, that I saw, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I saw that you have a regular expressions in JavaScript course on Slipback. Is that correct?
2: That is correct,
0: yeah. Awesome. Okay, as someone who probably profoundly hates Regex, (laughs) like (laughs) I'm so curious. Yeah, like what, how did this come about? Like, are you particularly interested in teaching or was this just kind of a, an organic way to kind of share the knowledge that you know.
2: Yeah, no, I am just interested in teaching. I I heard about Slip. I'm friends with Kenneth on Twitter. So I had seen him building Slip and I thought it was really cool. So I wanted to make a course on that platform. And I had dabbled in teaching, I guess just through blog posts and stuff like that. And I found that teaching is like one of the best ways to learn. Like you have to know something deeply to be able to teach it. And that's kind of a way to find the gaps in your own understanding is to try to explain it to other people. So I knew I wanted to make a course on Slip, and I was thinking of topics that would fit the format of Slip, with the way, like the way it has code blocks, in the way, just the way the platform set up. So I thought of that, and I, I didn't have any like particular, like particularly good skills in regular expressions or anything. I just decided I would learn it really deeply, and then make a course on it so I pretty much learned it right then as I was making the course and it's it's stuck too like I've it's come up in my work a handful of times since then like actually a surprising amount and it's the first time ever I have written regex without googling it (laughs) like I can do it all for my head now which is really awesome Um, and I've gotten some awesome feedback on that course so it's been really fun I would I really want to make more courses it's just been not having enough time at this point because there's so many things I want to build and so many things I want to teach. But I do really like teaching. I love hearing feedback from people who have taken it and how much it's helped them and stuff. So I'd love to teach more um, in the future.
1: Yeah, so I have a few questions. When, what is Slip App? Sorry, I've never heard of it. I probably live under a rock. <laughs> I, I don't do TikTok or anything like that. So yeah, I... Yeah, what is it?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just a
1: website where uh,
2: programmers can create and sell courses with their programming knowledge. So it's I think there's like six or seven languages on there right now. And you basically just build your course with like lessons and different blocks where you can have like code samples and text and then like multiple choice questions. And you can have like little questions where they have to like solve a code problem and get a particular output. So you can build your course and sell it on there.
1: Oh, that's really cool. So
2: yeah. was this
1: your uh your first course that you that you have given before given? Yeah.
2: Yeah, this is my first course. And outside of that, I've mainly just blogged and stuff like that. But yeah, I'd love honestly, I didn't even join Twitter until four months ago. But before that, I wasn't like even really in the tech community, other than like I work, obviously, but there's only like a couple of people on my team. But joining Twitter was a huge game changer. I realized I can share my knowledge with other people and I can learn from other people
1: and meet people. And it's it's been a huge game changer. I think Twitter is highly underestimated. When I first got on Twitter, it was when I started learning to code. And so I kind of like wrote about my journey through the hashtag 100 days of code and code newbies. I got my first dev job through Twitter. And now I have my current role kind of like through Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it was like a game changer for me. That's where I made like a, all of my connections uh, versus LinkedIn. Because uh, LinkedIn, I just didn't know who to look for. At least with Twitter, you can kind of look at those like tech handles and then find people to follow it that way. And it's also a great way to ask questions. Do you have a project or, you know, if you just are stuck, I always like tweet at like specific creators of the libraries or languages. And like, I get great responses back and like they'll either tell me directly like how, how to get something working or they're like, Oh, Hey, like, let me just send you a blog post. So yeah, I mean, I feel like it's very highly underrated, but that's cool that you feel the same way that it was now that you see the the pros of it after joining. Yeah, it's really an amazing
2: resource. Like one of my biggest regrets is not joining earlier. But like you said, like I'll put a question out there. Like we needed a headless CMS at work and I was like, how do, how do I know which one to choose? And I guess in the past I would have just Googled it, but I just like put a tweet out there and then I got all these people giving me awesome advice from their experience with different ones and the pros and cons which is awesome and then same thing like i've gotten more job opportunities through twitter Mm -hmm. than i ever have from linkedin and they're like more real than some of the just recruiters from linkedin and stuff it's like the actual hiring managers and stuff reaching out on twitter which has been awesome
0: yeah, out of most of the social media platforms, I know at least from my own experience, Twitter has probably been the most fruitful as well. Like I've tried looking on Instagram. I know TikTok's picking up in terms of people giving coding tips and whatnot, which is really cool. Personally, I am very foreign to TikTok, and it's just one of those like, oh, I have to learn another platform. So, admittedly, I'm a little bit, I guess, a little bit lazy or behind tech in that way, where I'm like, I'm cool with Twitter, um, but you know, I love that Twitter is one of those safe spaces where like I'm an introvert. So when it comes to talking out loud or talking with the community, I get really shy and super hesitant of even starting that conversation. But Twitter has been sort of a safe space where I can at least still observe what's going on, see what's trending, see what the conversations are and talk when I want. Right. There's this there's not this Requirement Like, no, you have to talk and you have to interact in this and that. So, for anyone out there who's a bit more on the introverted side, or maybe they're just looking at Twitter as a way to read up on what's going on and what some of the new libraries are and whatnot, like, I feel like it's a nice one stop shop versus having to look at like the dozens of different like news article sites trying to keep up with what's sort of the big thing, what's the new thing coming up. So but, you know, talking about sort of the new things and stuff that's happening in the community, like, let's talk a little bit about open source, open source projects, contributions. Catherine, do you have any tips or just even your own stories of how you got into open source and what that's been like for
2: you? Yeah, so for from the contributing point of view, I've mainly contributed to projects that it's like a tool that I use, and I want a specific feature to be different. So like we're using at work sanity, the headless CMS. And there was like a specific thing in the UI that I wanted to change. So like you can submit an issue and just wait for someone else to change it, which is great. Or you can go in and fix it yourself and open a PR. So those those are the type of open source contributions that I've done is just like things, things that I want to change. And then from uh, like a maintainer's point of view, I actually ended up uh, open sourcing readme.so, my project, because after I posted it on Twitter, I had some people responding and asking for specific features. And what they would say, they were like, oh, if it's open source, I'll just do it for you. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. So I open sourced it, which it's theory at first, because it's like, okay, there's going to be a bunch of eyes on my code, like anything that's messy or whatever, like everyone's going to see it. But I did end up doing it, but I will say, I thought that it was going to be like a huge time saver because people could help out, but maintaining open source, it takes so much time and I am like forever behind on pull requests at this point. <laughs>
1: the, I've done both, like contributed to open source and then I helped the company, uh, get their project uh, like ready to be like open source it was difficult. I mean, cause you have to do like code of conduct and then make sure you have their correct license and you know, then, yeah, then you have to you know, create the issues and make sure you have as much information as possible. If you already have, like, you know, we were doing it for uh, October Fet or Hacktoberfest. H- yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot going on. So definitely people like being Patient, especially with open source, it's a lot for a team or even one person to do. So if their pull requests don't get looked at within a month, like just just be patient. Like they've got full time jobs and and other things on their plate, personal lives. I, I think I when I was first starting and everybody told me to contribute to open source, I thought, oh, I have to contribute to Facebook or like these big companies. I do have to say, Facebook was my first open source contribution. I saw an issue with their documentation as far as like TypeScript and create React app. So I did that. However, after working in the industry, I realized that there's all these other projects that you can contribute to without being, like I said, like Facebook, right? So Uh, One good way, especially if you're looking for your first issue, is getting on GitHub and searching for good first issue. A lot of people will mark really good issues with a label that says good first issue, or I think it's like first timer, things like that. It'll sometimes be like something like a doc change or changing terms from this to this. So really easy, great way to get started. And most of the time, they're going to give you all of their standards up front, like you know, like, like I said, the code of conduct, and then how they want your PR to look like, or what are their coding standards. So, like, I know it can be really scary up front, uh, especially working on that first one, but just search around. And and, like I said, like, look on GitHub to see what those first issues are. I mean, it's very helpful, especially, you know, if you, like Catherine was saying, if you like see a bug, or you, you see a feature that maybe that you can fix, or you can add, and then create the issue, and then if they want to prioritize that, work on it yourself. Like it's, I know it's really scary, but it will help you like prepare for the, the real world too and being able to work with a team and, and get feedback.
3: Hey folks, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become 1 in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev.
2: Yeah. And I love what you said before about being patient with open source maintainers, because I've had people submit a PR and then the next day DM me on Twitter, like, can you merge my PR? And I'm like, I haven't even like been on my computer since you submitted that. So yeah, definitely be patient, especially if it's people who like have full-time jobs and it's a side project but yeah I love what you said too a lot of the a lot of the issues have labels like good first issue and that's a great way to find it and I think starting with something simple like what you said like documentation or something is a great way to start because you also have to learn kind of like the git workflow of contributing so it's better to start with something easy and learn how to how to, you know, create a fork and open a PR against another project. And then once you kind of get the hang of that, you can start contributing to like bigger bugs or features. Awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, for people who are interested in just contributing to that in general, I feel like don't put too much pressure on yourself, right? Like this is kind of a this is a nice partnership where you can be someone who helps contribute to an existing project, or you could be someone that creates a project. And either way, it's important that both parties are, like you guys have reiterated, be patient with one another, right? Like there's a lot going on right now in general, but so much so, so much more so in the past year or two where it's like, hey, everyone's doing their best and let's just assume good intentions, right? So,
1: yeah. Yeah. So I think it's one. A huge one, too, is if you are maybe uh, fluent in another language, one that I feel like is I don't I, I don't see a lot of is if there is an app that you use or, you know, maybe there's an open source project that's maybe only in English or in a different language. Uh, maybe reaching out and saying, hey, like I'm actually fluent in Spanish or fluent in and. I don't even know Farsi or things like that. And just saying like, Hey, like, is there something like, would you ever want to translate that? And if so, like I can help translate, like that's also another really great way to contribute. So maybe not writing like code specifically, but you know, being able to contribute and help out that way, especially. Like I said, like uh, I know a lot of companies who are eventually going to want to make their app fully what is it with all these different languages, and you don't want to rely on things like Google Translate because things could get misinterpreted. So definitely, like either reach out, or you can also find those issues too. I know several like nonprofits that their stuff is open source and they have open tickets it's like oh we want to translate this to spanish or we want to translate this to x y or z so that's another good way to contribute
2: yeah that's been a that's been a big one on my readme project and a lot of people have contributed that so there's probably like eight languages now on there so (gasps) that's crazy if, (laughs) if anyone listening knows any others that aren't on there like feel free to open a pr on on my project but yeah, that, that's been an awesome one that people have done for me. That's awesome. I feel like, especially as devs,
0: one of the things that I feel like a lot of people tend to overlook is documentation. And documentation can be just as helpful, if not even more so, when it comes to contributing code or contributing to a project. So, you know, kind of along those lines, do you all feel like there's some skill sets or some parts of coding that... Maybe new devs have a hard time prioritizing, or maybe don't even think about prioritizing. So, an example being like documentation, having a readme that explains how do you actually use this project or use a service. Do you guys have anything in mind that you feel like might be helpful for new devs listening to just make sure to have in you know sort of the back of their mind, or to even just prioritize now in their projects?
2: Yeah, I think one that comes to mind for me that I kind of didn't prioritize soon enough, I think, is accessibility, and also like semantic HTML. Like, I think just learning React so early, like, I I mean, it's still HTML in a sense, I mean, with JSX, but I don't know, like there's so many HTML tags that I didn't even know existed, you know, that like you should be using, that you shouldn't just be using a div for everything. And accessibility also, like, even like small things, like what should be a button versus a link and things like that, like, it's, and. And like having alt text and there's just so many things and there's it, it, like we said with documentation, they're easy to do, but they're easy not to do. And they're very important to do, but just being aware of it, I think is like a huge first step.
1: Yeah. So I am uh, a self-taught and I watched a lot of like Udemy courses and I bought subscriptions to other platforms that uh, showed a different courses. And that was something that was not told to me was about accessibility. I, they didn't focus on it in any of the courses. Uh, fortunately for me, my husband's a f- software engineer as well. And so my husband really preached that things need to be accessible. So with all of my personal projects, I would create pull requests and uh, he would review it and say, okay, this isn't accessible. So yeah, I mean, I used to do div soup. So div, div, divs all over the place. Didn't know that there were articles like as HTML and all these other things. I wish that there were more uh, courses out there. And if there are, please send them to me, everyone, because I would love to be an accessibility expert. However, anyway, what I was going back to is, I mean, I've been doing those for, uh, professionally for a year now, uh, coding. And yesterday, I, at work, I was facing, you know, we wanted to have these buttons toggle, And if it was selected, we wanted to show a specific color. And if it wasn't selected, show another color. So for me, I was going to create a button and with React, I was going to change the the props. So use a ternary to like change the color props, right? That's not accessible because people that have visual impairments, they can't see these color changes. So I I had to really like dig in deep and say, okay, like how do I make this accessible? Oh, you know what? a checkbox has checked or not attribute and so but then having to say okay this is a checkbox but I need it to look like a button so I guess like I'm a React developer and we have things uh, UI component libraries that are you know access for accessibility like reach UI and uh, there's so many other ones however I just feel like I just I get stuck in the weeds and then Something like that. Like, I couldn't find an element for this, for this weird use, use case. So I feel like it's been so much time. But yes, I think it's very underestimated. I've not been in a boot camp and I've heard that they don't really show accessibility enough in boot camps. But I know, like, self taught, uh, if there's someone who is an accessibility expert, please create tutorials, some courses. You have one one user right here that will buy the course so absolutely yeah I don't remember accessibility being talked about in my boot camp at
2: all and I get it like they're trying to squeeze so much content in a short time but it is like such an important just basic topic yeah I agree
0: in my boot camp again there's so much info to go over in a short period of time and I just remember we barely even touched testing and I feel like right now that's sort of the we need 100% coverage, 50%. We're gonna use all these different libraries to help with. And it's like, I I still feel like there's this need for accessibility, right? And I feel like all of that like encompasses the topic of empathy, right? I think that's a part of being a dev that sometimes can be hard to articulate because we're always trying to put labels to stuff and figure out how to define things. But I feel like overall, it's just about empathy and how we are as humans, right? And as developers, it's super important that we're trying to deliver a great experience for everyone who uses whatever we're building. And for me, I thought, initially, I thought accessibility was, oh, yeah, like, how can I create a site that my mom would be able to use? Which, not to say that's not part of accessibility, but it's like, hey, there's people out there who might be using screen readers or different assistive devices and technologies. And that opened up this whole new world and this whole new level of empathy of, like, understanding someone else's experience and understanding all the steps they have to take just to get the same experience that you do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm in a position where I'm very fortunate that I can just use a laptop as is, and I can get my work done totally fine. But there's other people who may not have that. And they're all in very different environments, different situations. So I think even as junior devs or people who are new to the field, like it's really important to keep that empathetic factor while you're learning all these technical skills. Because as you're trying to cram all this technical knowledge and trying to build all these things, it's really easy to lose sight of that. So I definitely encourage people to keep that in mind, because I feel like when you have that empathy factor, not only does it help you as a dev, but it helps you work with other people. It helps you to be able to contribute to different projects and build different things with the idea of delivering a good experience. So,
1: um,
0: you know, Catherine, you definitely have a lot of great projects that really surround that topic. Um, So thank you for sharing that information with us.
1: No, I think you're like having empathy is so important. I kind of didn't realize like how accessibility affected me before. I was diagnosed with epilepsy at the age of 16. And for months, maybe even like years, I couldn't even be around a computer because of like all the flashing lights. And of course this was, I mean, over, you know, 15 years ago too. So, I mean, computers have gone a long way, but even like not being able to have, I'm doing air quotes, normal experience, not feeling normal, right. Being able to use the computer, like that really affected me, especially for a 16 year old when everybody was on it. So it really hits hard when I see sites that people can't use every day. I also taught uh, special education and worked with people visually and auditory impaired uh, impaired, and seeing how it affected them. And it's it's deflating and something that you see your peers doing it. You see your peers on social media and things like that. Like you you wanna have those same experiences. So for them to not have it accessible to them, like it's just horrible. So yeah, like really try to empathize like, the things that you're on every single day, like imagine, you know, we I heard a story today about someone that couldn't buy cat litter because a form was not accessible. Like, y'all, that's just crazy for me like to hear. And it like breaks my heart. So yeah, accessibility definitely underrated. That is for sure.
0: Awesome. So we've shared a lot of cool information and shared a lot of tips already. But do anyone has any last minute tips? maybe for new devs or specifically women in tech, Uh, we'll go over some of those before we transition into our picks. So I think for my tip is just, again, keeping empathy in mind, especially when not only if you're a new dev or a junior dev, but if you're a senior dev, right? Uh, I feel like senior devs, You know, there's a lot of information that you all know as second nature, which may not be obvious to new devs or people who are even new to your company. So just keep in mind that everyone's experiences are a little bit different. Everyone has a different perspective. So let's have best intentions and just keep in mind, like, hey, we're all on the same team here. You know, we're all trying to work together. So, but also understand people have bad days, people have rough things going on that they may not share in a workplace setting. So, This is I feel like this kind of applies to everyone, not only in the tech industry, but just like as a human being, just try to keep that empathetic factor in mind. And I feel like, you know, that's one of those really short term investments that really does carry on long term.
2: I think my tip would be to put yourself out there more. That's something I've learned more recently and not be afraid to share your work. Cause it's hard being especially a woman in tech especially from a non-technical background and early on in your career like being brave enough in a sense to sh- share your work and kind of being scared of what people are going to say about it but like I said I didn't join Twitter until recently and I had I had an old account that like I've had since high school and I would kind of like lurk on tech stuff but I wouldn't actually like say anything so I created a brand new Twitter recently and actually started speaking up. And like I said before, it's been a game changer. And I've been so pleasantly surprised at how supportive everyone is. And when I when I do share things I'm working on, even if it's something simple that feels like really beginner or basic, like people are really supportive and I've had nothing but positive experiences. Not to say there can't be negative experiences, but I think in the end it's worth it. And for me it's definitely been worth it so far. So Yeah, I would say as a new dev, definitely put yourself out there and join a community and find supportive people who will lift you up.
1: Yeah, so uh, my advice would be to really stand out with your personal projects. I said that before, but I'm going to say it again because I feel like it's so important. I got my job offers because my personal projects were so unique, and I really could speak uh, about them like in the interviews and explain and me being passionate about what I built has that passion coming out and I get excited about what I'm building. And so the interviewer gets excited. And so it's, it's a really great like thing to be able to like show how passionate you are about coding. So definitely stand out. Like I said, guest to do apps and video pickers and things like that are great to build when you're first learning, but test your skills by, adding new features to those or like I said, like finding an app that you use every day that you want to create better or better yet, like think of real world problems you can solve with code. So definitely stand out.
3: Hey, are you looking to join a team that gets to work on really cool projects, great technology stacks like React, Gatsby, Contentful, AWS, and tons more? Similar things for Vue and Angular. If you're looking to grow in your career, work with an inclusive team that cares about their culture and be part of something that you can be passionate about, then you should apply to work at this.labs. They focus on giving back to the community and having their developers do things like write blog posts and be on podcasts to help them enrich their careers as well. They're currently looking for engineering managers, senior architects, and senior software developers in React, Vue, and Angular. So if you're interested, send an email to jobs at this.co.
0: So we're going to move on to the next portion of our podcast, which is called Picks. So for anyone who's been listening in, you guys already know the format, but for anyone new, we're going to have everyone go around and just share something cool. It doesn't necessarily have to be tech related, but we're all just going to share things that we're excited about, things that maybe we want you guys to try. So I'll start with my pick, which I don't have a specific brand in mind, um, but food dehydrators. So let me tell you, like, it's not something that I've ever explored before. I'll be honest, I don't even remember why I bought one. I think I was watching like a van conversion video and saw them, like, saw people like super into dehydrating fruit and stuff so they could store it for a longer period of time. And I was like, hmm, okay, let's try it. And at the time, I was actually back home with my family and I went to this Korean market called H Mart and they had one on sale. And I was like, oh, okay, like, this is a sign. All right, let me get one. And then I started dehydrating like crazy. Like, I'm pretty sure my coworkers are tired of seeing all the stuff I've dehydrated, like limes, lemons, grapefruits, strawberries, like the list goes on. Uh, But I think in, you know, sort of in a survival sense, like it is pretty cool that you can store all the dried fruits and stuff for a longer period of time. And, you know, I, I live alone with my partner and for example, we might buy, like a bag of oranges, but not be able to finish it in a reasonable amount of time, which, PS yes, that's not true because I'll eat all of it. But point being, you might have something that you just can't finish in a reasonable amount of time. And especially with the weather being as hot as it is, like keeping fruits and stuff out is a little bit difficult. So I got this dehydrator like a little less than a month ago, maybe, but it's been really fun. And I am a huge snacker. So I figured, okay, let's try to find a healthier way to snack. Does that stop me from eating the other snacks? No, but it's in addition to all the other snacks and a healthy arts alternative. So um, the one that I got, I got really lucky because it was on sale for like 33 bucks. But there's ones you can find on Amazon and online um, that are in a similar price range. If you have some time, like I would definitely recommend trying that because the dried citrus is really great in like sparkling water, or if you're into cocktails and stuff, want to mix that up. Oh, I will tell you, it is fantastic. So get you a dehydrator.
1: <laughs> it is on my list, Susan, because I'm a backpacker, my husband and I, and we always buy dehydrated food, but you don't know what people put in that to make it preserved and things like that. So I've been watching YouTube videos and you can dehydrate your own food for backpacking. So that's something I'll eventually break down. So you'll have to be sure like put the brand down. So yeah, if you can remember, cause I'm going to look that up. So Going off the backpacking topic, so my pick is not specifically for backpacking, but that's how my husband and I use it. Uh, My husband is really big into photography. And so as a gift, I got him, it's a a camera clip that goes on your hiking bag or backpack for school, just things in in general, like a day pack if you like to do day hikes. So it's about like three inches wide and maybe like an inch, inch thick. But you put it on the, the strap of your backpack, and then you can put any size camera on the, the the snap. And so instead of it being in your backpack, and then you have to take your backpack off to get your camera out. Yeah, you just wear it on the front of your backpack, like on your chest. And it comes off with, with one snap of a button. It's super secure. My husband and I did... Uh, like a twenty-mile hike uh, with like each we're carrying forty pounds, and it stayed on there fine. We've taken it to Disney before, and it's fine. So highly recommend it. It's called the Capture Clip by Peak Design, but we'll uh, add the link to the comments below. Awesome. So
2: my pick is kind of in general mechanical keyboards. I know I know developers. Some of them are like kind of annoying about them and. I'm like sad to say that I'm one of those now. I I got I got a Keychron K3 with red switches. Uh, I got it a few weeks ago. Uh, I kind of didn't get the hype before I had one, and then once I tried one, I was like, "There's no going back." It just feels so nice. <laughs> and I think if you enjoy typing, it just makes coding so much better. And my my old keyboard was like sticking. It had a few keys that were sticking, and it was driving me crazy. So. I got this one and the game changer. So definitely try a mechanical, mechanical keyword if you can. It's not for everyone, but I love it.
0: Awesome. So this wraps up our episode here on She's in Tech. Thank you to Daisy for joining us. Thank you to our guest, Catherine. And make sure you check out her project. So readme.so as well as her course, Regular Expressions in JavaScript on Slip App. My name is Susan. Again, an engineer at this dot and you can catch me on Twitter at Suki Supremo.
1: Again, my name is Daisy Nolan. I am a software engineer at Publicist and you can find me on Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. Yeah, thank you both for having me. It was
2: great. My name is Catherine and you can find me on Twitter at Catherine Co. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.